This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another strand of my trip on the road of liberation is that I've also explored being a dominatrix. And I think that's another thing that in society, women who are in roles like that are seen as the common stereotypes being that you must have a sadistic desire, something really awful must have happened to you for you to feel the desire to dominate men. Hi, and welcome to Feeling Yourself, the podcast that encourages you to shed your shame. I'm Natalie Lee, and like most of us, shame has followed me around for most of my life. Now I'm on a journey to sexual freedom, and I want you to join me. Each week, I'll be speaking to you and some incredible guests about the themes in my book, Feeling Myself. From masturbation to motherhood, from trauma to porn, I want us to dig deep and find our true voice in a world that shames us and that certainly doesn't make our pleasure a priority. Now let's release the shame and get you feeling yourself. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on my podcast, Feeling Yourself. How are you, first of all? I'm brilliant. Thank you for inviting me. When I saw the email come through, I was like, oh my God, I would love to be a part of this. And when I came to the launch of Feeling Myself, I had the best time. Um, Me and my friend Tasha came. It was such an empowering, sensual experience. We were learning a dance and we got to incorporate our own style. And it was a very memorable way to launch a book. So congratulations on that. And I'm so excited to see the journey that this book takes on in the world. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was. It was an amazing launch. And I think the perfect way for me to launch my book. So let me just introduce you. So on your Instagram bio, you have got creator of Saggy Boobs Matter, author of number one Sunday Times bestseller, What a Time to Be Alone and How to Get Over a Boy. Now, you are a veteran in terms of uh, books and being a content creator and a speaker. Now, I just want to know, how else would you describe yourself? Oh, I love that question. I guess I would describe myself as a maverick. And I use the word maverick because I'm very... I would consider myself really good at being myself. Um, And I say that because a lot of people struggle with the advice of just be yourself because it's like, well, which version of myself do I be? I don't know how to just be myself. And for me, I feel very comfortable in expressing myself exactly as I am because I'm so hyper aware of how short life is that I think we all owe it to ourselves to to really truly be what it means to embody ourselves and the word maverick also represents someone that just is really really knowledgeable and um, confident in their knowledge and I'm someone who I like to work within the parameters of what I know and the things that I don't know I'm excited to learn but I'll never force it or try to be that person who knows everything. I love that. And I think that really comes across in your work. You are definitely a maverick and you would definitely say things how they are, which is what I really connect with. So 
I ask everyone to choose like one of the chapters as a topic that we're going to be speaking about. And you chose liberation. I am just going to read a tiny little bit of my book in the chapter of liberation. The relationship you have with your inner voice is the most important one you have. I believe there's an all-knowing version of yourself deep inside your soul that knows when you're in danger, when you're unsafe, what you desire, what you need, before your conscious self has even worked it out. And the more you can listen to that voice, the more you'll be able to find the life you're destined to lead. So that kind of just ties in really nicely with what you just said. I want to know why you chose the topic of liberation and how you connected to that inner knowing, that inner voice that most people really struggle with. First of all, thank you for that section you read. It was so beautifully written and I connected so much with that, especially about the inner voice, deeply knowing what you desire, even before you feel like you're brave enough to articulate it. For me, why I chose the segment of liberation and why that word resonates with me is because I feel like I'm in a place in my life right now where I'm rediscovering what liberation means to me. I feel like even though I am a public figure and I have certain privileges that come with being a public figure, there are still certain limitations that follow because, you know, you have to come across certain obstacles like people telling you, well, you're a public figure, so you have to carry yourself in a particular way. Or even being a woman that is sexually and sensually expressive, like both of ourselves are in our own ways, there is oftentimes that feeling of, am I being too sexy is that going to make people take me less seriously or are people going to get an impression of me that's far from who I am and currently I'm in a phase in my life where I'm allowing myself to feel more explorative about my sexuality and how I express that so I've chosen to take up pole dancing and that's something that maybe this time three years ago I would have felt a bit distant from because it's this whole idea of if you are a woman and you do something that is considered publicly sexual, then people will think that you're dirty or they will think that you are an attention seeker. And of course, all these ideas come from misogyny and the patriarchal world that we live in. And for me, it wouldn't make sense to be encouraging people to be themselves and choose liberation over suppression and then not embody that sentiment in my own life. So choosing to do pole dancing and one, enjoying it, two, experiencing the benefits most people don't really talk about, which is the mental growth and the trust that you develop in your body. Those are things that have really brought out the fullness of my personality. And now two months, three months in, I'm looking back to when I was first considering doing it. And I can't believe I nearly didn't do it because I thought people are going to think that I've, you know, stopped being this author and great speaker and documentary maker why is she doing pole dancing but how I counteract those thoughts is but why not I mean if this is your only life and you're a sexy ass human being then why wouldn't you choose to do something that allows you to explore that in a way that is authentic to you and I find pole dance very authentic I feel like the expression comes to me naturally and I enjoy all the learning curves and roadblocks and finally getting over that hump of you know coming across something that you're struggling with grasping and then you finally grasp it and that sense of achievement it makes me feel liberated and the idea of knowing that this same sexiness is something I can be paid for by the same people who try to talk me out of embracing it that feels even more liberating because I hold the power and as a woman, that for me is incredibly important because we're literally living in times right now where men are doing everything they can, including enforcing laws to stop us from having power over our bodies. So choosing sensual movement as an intentional practice is the most liberating decision I've made this year so far. Oh, that's such a wonderful, wonderful answer. And you know I'm a big fan of movement too. I think movement can heal, it can liberate. It has so many benefits, not only, you know, it's just not good exercise anyway, but it really helps to connect the mind and the body, I think. 
So I love that you're really embracing that and you're like learning new routines. And in turn, you kind of learn about yourself. You overcome struggles and it's a really good thing, I think, to get into. And I'm I'm loving the, the videos and everything. So please keep them coming. <laughs> Thank you. So we ask everyone who comes on to bring something that makes them feel themselves. What did you bring and why? Let me show you what I brought just off the back of what we just discussed. <laughs> I'm holding, I'm holding an eight inch clear stripper heel. <laughs> also known as pleasers. Oh, is that what they're called? I never knew that. They're called pleasers, yeah. And this is like perspex and it's very, very sexy. I love it. Can you actually walk in them? Do you know what? Ironically, these are way more comfortable to walk in than your standard high heel that has no platform because the way that your foot is postured, it's quite flat. So the platform is, is like alleviating the pressure from the ball of your foot. The only thing is you have to be really careful with accidentally crookeding your ankle sideways because it's quite a long way down to go if you fall <laughs> in eight inch heels it is I think the 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 pleaser the stripper heel whatever term you used to describe it I think it represents something because when you see shoes like this you instantly associate it with pole dancing and strippers and, and sex work and I think within feminism there is this sort of murky gray area where as much as majority of us are pro-liberation of women and we believe all women deserve to be included in feminism. There is still that knee-jerk response in all of us that we have to learn to fight against where we feel the, the need to distance ourselves from sex work. So sometimes you might have this idea where, for example, in my case, I was speaking earlier about taking up pole dancing and really enjoying it and feeling liberated. And now I'm in a stage of my journey of pole dancing where I'm considering actually, I can make money from this because people enjoy watching me dance and I can tell from the feedback, especially from the men, that they're enjoying it a little too much. (laughs) And I feel like, well, if I can get this kind of positive feedback from doing something liberating, then I can put it behind a paywall like OnlyFans. But then I had this thought that I had to confront where I was like, wait, are people going to think I'm doing sex work? Are people going to think that me doing sex work means I must be desperate or that something has gone wrong for me. And I had to really sit with those thoughts and ask myself, one, why is it a bad thing for me to possibly be associated with sex work? Two, why is it a bad thing for me to profit off of the same sexuality that I would have had anyway, even if I wasn't putting it behind a paywall? And three, why am I scared of what people will think based on the associations and connotations involved with sex work and again it comes down to this idea that even within liberation movements or even within things we do that are empowering we still feel this innate need to justify ourselves and disclaim that even though this thing I'm doing is seen as sexual in our society I promise you it's not sex work but what if it is sex work and why is that a bad thing and why and why is it something that makes a woman's intellect maybe seem less valuable or why is it something that makes a woman seem less serious for monetizing her sexuality yeah exactly it sounds like you've gone on quite a bit of a self-reflective journey questioning yourself about what your ideas were around sex work and and actually I've written down only fans at the very beginning of our conversation because I was gonna say if you haven't done OnlyFans yet, it, it sounds like that's the next progression for you. And I think me personally, my feeling about sex work is I love the fact that people who are engaged in that kind of work are taking ownership of their own sexuality, are using it to benefit them. And Look, it's one of the oldest professions of all time. There's nothing wrong with knowing what your boundaries are and making money from it. I mean, loads of people do it anyway. Why Why should you not do it? And I think we are so concerned about what other people think about us. 
and what our own internalized misogynistic views are, that it is really difficult to kind of get over that. But it sounds like you've gone on this a bit of a journey of sort of analyzing that. Yes. And you'll be surprised to know. I mean, I don't think it's that much of a shocker, but what even allowed me to get to this next stage of the journey where I've decided to embrace pole dancing and even consider making money from it is that another strand of my trip on the road of liberation is that I've also explored being a dominatrix. And I think that's another thing that in society, women who are in roles like that are seen as the common stereotypes being that you must have a sadistic desire. Something really awful must have happened to you for you to feel the desire to dominate men or that, you know, the typical idea is that you just have loads of men on leashes and you're whipping them all the time and you're just always wearing leather. And actually for me, part of my journey towards liberation as a woman has been, I'm going to embrace this power that I have because whether I choose to label myself a dominatrix or not, whether I choose to label myself a pole dancer or not, I'm still going to be sexy and there are going to be men who will be responsive to it. There are always going to be men who will want to express their desire for me in a way that puts them in a role that is submissive and it's intentional on their part. And I need to learn to lean into that power and I get to choose exactly what my boundaries are. The other person gets to choose exactly what their boundaries are. I'm not necessarily into hitting that much. If anything, I prefer the psychological side of domination, which is where I believe the real domination actually begins and and most of it takes place. And that for me has allowed me to feel really powerful in my femininity. It has allowed me to feel myself in a way that isn't necessarily um, for other people to see. Because when you are in a dynamic with a man who is an intentional submissive, it's all about just you and him. And you get to create this safe space between yourselves. You get to go on a journey of building trust. And for me, what's interesting is that it's not all a rosy walk in the park. You will still come across misogyny and entitlement in men who claim that they're submissive, but really what they want is like a service top or like a dominant person that's going to dominate them, but on the guy's terms. And that's not how any of this works. So I think embracing being a dominant woman has actually allowed me to learn how to advocate for myself. Even when I'm dating vanilla men, it has allowed me to realize that if you come across a behavior or a characteristic in someone that you just don't like, and you know that it's not going to change anytime soon, instead of standing there arguing back and forth with the person, you just walk away because as a dominatrix, what you're not going to do is argue back and forth. You're going to tell the person exactly what works for you and what you expect behavior wise and if that's not happening you leave them exactly where they are and someone else can come and deal with them if that's what they want and that for me has allowed me to feel very empowered in my femininity and it allows me to feel safer as well because unfortunately like a lot of women have the same story to tell I've experienced sexual assault and so choosing to become a dominatrix has actually allowed me to feel much more safer when having sex with men, if at all I'm going to have sex with them, it allows me to feel like the intimacy is for the most part on my terms, because there's been an established dynamic between me and the guy where he's respectful of what my boundaries are and he enjoys serving my needs, whatever needs I tell him that those are. And combining being a dominatrix with being a pole dancer, it's like a great sandwich of just feeling yourself and not being ashamed of standing in your power. Because a lot of women are ashamed of being powerful because of the names you get called, because of the assumptions people will have of you, um, because of feeling scared of your own power and not knowing when to use it, how to use it, what to say, when to say the thing you need to say. So many things come with having power and it is a learning journey in itself. And there's no easier place to sit on the spectrum because it's still you and yourself that you have to sit with. Mm, Absolutely. You recently have released an ebook called Patriarchy's Worst Nightmare. So you talk a lot about the patriarchy and misogyny and I'm very much here for this. And I feel like people often think that you are quite forthright and quite like harsh with how you present 
your message. But I feel like there's a very big distinction between men and the patriarchy. And often people feel like when you mention the patriarchy, you're just saying all men are fucking terrible and and crap and we you know, we have to basically stamp on their balls. <laughs> but can you just talk a little bit about the kind of distinction between just being a man hater and actually talking about overcoming the patriarchy? The thing is, oftentimes people expect women to endure patriarchy and still not have any disdain towards men. What's difficult about that is men, I believe, need to expect that there will be certain women in certain parts of the world who might hold sentiments where they hate men. For example, in Pakistan, there's a strong chance that if a man was to catcall you in the street and you decline his advances, that will end in you having acid thrown in your face. A lot of women in that area of the world will probably have a mentality where they just feel like they're tired of men, they hate men, men represent a lack of safety, men represent absolute danger. And I don't think it's fair on women for men to be upset that women possibly hate them, whereas women have to live with knowing there's a strong chance that they're going to be killed by a man. So it's almost like, is it worse for a woman to say she hates a man or is it worse for a man to kill a woman? And when we talk about patriarchy versus men, of course, men are not a system, but men uphold a system. And men know that there are elements of that system that benefit them. And when you whistle it down to the micro levels of things, where we look at the people closest to us who are men in our lives, and we think about situations where they might witness something happening, and because they're friends with the person who is doing something to a woman, they might not necessarily say anything. They might laugh it off, or they might not necessarily tell their friend, their, their boy, their guy, that, you know what, what you did there was misogynistic. This is what misogyny means. You're putting women in danger with that mindset that you have. Like They just enable each other. And to me, it's not good enough. And I think what's really frustrating about being an outspoken woman is that doesn't matter how well-worded, verbose, articulate and considered your ideas are in their packaging, people can still turn around and be like, but she hates men. And it's like, but I want to know why the idea of a woman hating a man, especially considering the things that they've done over the course of history and including what they're doing right now, I want to know why the idea of a woman hating a man is worse than patriarchy. Because to me, it feels like there is still more emphasis placed on any woman who presents herself as what we consider a man-hater, quote-unquote, than the actual violence of patriarchy and misogyny itself. That's where I have a massive gripe in terms of not just patriarchy, but feminism as well. There are a lot of women who within feminism still feel a desire to protect men's feelings. And I get it because there are men in their lives who they love. We all probably know somebody in our lives who is a really lovely man. One of my, I hate to be this person who's like, my best friend is a man. But like, <laughs> one of my best friends is a man. And if anything, the fact that he's such a sweet person, he's, he's like basically the archetype of what I believe men should be in a world that isn't patriarchal or misogynistic, but his mere existence in my life is, and it actually highlights how bad men are because it's like, now I know men are capable of being sweet, considerate, patient, respectful. So that means all the other men who are choosing to not be that way, what are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your consciousness? What are you doing with your mind? You're not using it because if my best friend can uphold this and I haven't had to teach him, then why can't everyone else? And for me, another thing is, you know, there's always that rebuttal of, you say all men are bad, but there are good men. Well, I would love to know what the good men in question are doing about what the world looks like. Because if I was a good man, I'd be using any opportunity I can get to encourage the men around me to change their ways and confront their behaviors and really address where it all comes from. Because the change begins with where you are. It starts with yourself and those closest to you. You don't have to bear this flag of changing the world because that's not going to work. But you can change the mindsets of those around you. And I believe men can do way more. They choose not to. And women coddle them, whether it's women within the movement of feminism 
you know, feeling like they need to protect men's feelings or whether it's just women in relationships with men where they feel like they need to preserve their boyfriend or their male partner's ego because they know that if they give it to him blunt and direct that it's going to impact one himself and two it's going to impact her and for me this is what has again led me back to the circling of choosing to be a dominatrix and choosing to embrace pole dancing again because I'm so done with having to like almost chew food for men and feed them where now it's like it's either you've arrived or you've not arrived I'm not going to be trying to, you know, pull people along and get them to get it. Cause it's like, no, 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 no. You've had enough time. You've had enough resources. There's enough tweets out there, enough Instagram infographics. There's all the things and you're just choosing not to use it. So what I'm not going to do is continue using my energy. That is now, I'm now using the reserves of my energy to still be educating you on why I'm a person. I don't think women owe men sympathy for their lack of ability to pick up the pace. I don't think women owe men this undeserved kindness if they don't want to be kind to men that they don't know. I know that as a woman, I'm a lot more intelligent and emotionally advanced, so I'm going to make myself a bit smaller because I don't want to hurt his feelings. And, you know, his little baby brain can't grasp that women are people, so I'm not going to scare him away with too much language and too much body language that will let him know that what he's done is wrong. And I want to ask everyone who's doing that, how has that worked for you it doesn't work so you might as well just be exactly direct because it doesn't work the coddling hasn't worked you're absolutely right and I think like you I also have that mistrust the issue is is that a lot of us feel like our message has to be dressed up in a pretty package because unlike you you're very forthright and you're very, very confident in what you're saying. But does that make people not listen or hear you? That's the kind of dilemma I think a lot of women have. If you are so firm and strong in your beliefs and how you say it, people are put off because it feels like they're threatened by strong women. Yes, 100% threatened by strong women. And I get this all the time. People saying to me, well, why? It's it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Of course, that's true. And at the same time, as violent as patriarchy is, I believe that somewhere in the world, there is a woman who deserves to have a violent response to her oppressor. Like, how can you oppress someone and tell them how to respond to their oppression? Like, that is patriarchy itself. And it it boggles me that people are still concerned about preserving the feelings of the men who constantly let them down, constantly. And for me, it's like this lack of trust I have in men feeds into my dating life where I don't wait around anymore for a guy to give me 15 reasons why I should leave. From when you've given me the first reason, I'm already backing up. I think if a guy is emotionally evolved and is prepared to be the kind of man that you deserve, you would see that from the onset. And for me, I think oftentimes feminism can get in our way when we are presented with red flags and we tell ourselves that, you know, we need to have a nuanced approach to life and everybody's an individual and, you know, you don't know what this man has been through and there's a reason why he's the way he is. And whilst all of that is true, we still find ourselves making excuses for men's behavior. And for me, I don't have the patience. How much more time do you need? Just like in the movement of black liberation, the question to white people is how much more time do you need? Because you have all the information, you know exactly what the power you uphold means and how that affects black people. You're just choosing to not do anything about it because it's inconvenient and it's boring and it's stressful and you don't know where to start with addressing racism. And that's not my problem as a black person because I don't know where to start with having to deal with white supremacy, but I deal with it every day. So in the same context of conversation, in the dynamic between men and women, again, with men, how much more time do you need? I know it's not about men needing time. It's about men knowing that they can keep on shifting the goalposts and introducing new distractions to women because they know that what women desire from a place of lack is feeling safe, is feeling wanted, as a whole person, not just as a sexual object. Women want to feel validated and heard and loved. And it's not a bad thing to want to feel that from a male partner. 
But it's important to recognize as women that if we're going to go down this route of liberation and feeling ourselves and self-love, we have to at some point acknowledge that if we're women that date men, men are probably not going to be on our level. And you've got to be really strict with what you're welcoming into your life. Because I think we're all one man away from our lives being dramatically different. And this is what I talk about a lot in my ebook, Patriarchy's Worst Nightmare, where most of us feel like we have to make excuses for the guys because we like them. And that's the scary thing about having a romantic lens on all the time as a woman and as a feminist is that once you fancy someone, you start to make exceptions. And it's like, no, 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 no. If this guy is serious about himself, if he actually is someone that respects women and values women, you won't have to fish that out of him. He would already embody that in his life towards people that he's not even attracted to. Because it's another thing with men and their selective embodiment of feminism is that they will only be feminists, a lot of them, if they're around a woman that they're attracted to. But that's not how this works. I don't have the patience that most people still have because I've learned from very early on that men are not going to change unless you do. But it's not about you changing yourself to change men. Rather, it's you changing yourself to survive a world where men are not going to change. And changing yourself means... If you're someone that is anxious about saying no, you're going to need to overcome that anxiety. If you're someone that is a people pleaser, you're going to have to work on that because being a people pleaser and dating men, very scary because you're going to find yourself agreeing to things you deep down don't want to do. You're going to find yourself keeping quiet when something is hurting you, whether that's physically or psychologically. You're going to find yourself making allowances for someone who would not make those accommodations for you. thrilled to announce that the most comfortable knickers in the world, Stripe and Stare, are supporting Feeling Yourself. When I want to be comfortable in my own skin and empowered, it always starts with good underwear. We all know the feeling of wearing uncomfortable knickers, pulling them out of your bum every two minutes, not being able to concentrate because of scratchy fabric cutting in. Well, not for bums in Stripe and Stare. And I have an exclusive discount for you if you keep listening. Did you know only 3% of the underwear market is sustainably sourced, which is not a great start for something we wear all the time. Stripe and Stare knickers are not only described by over 90% of their customers as the most comfortable knickers in the world, they are also great for the planet too as they are sourced from beechwood trees, are softer than cotton and also use 95% less water in their production. You will also be glad to know Stripe and Stare make essential wear and sleepwear too, all from the same soft as a cloud, sustainable fabrics, which I'm adding to my basket next. I have my eye on this lovely tie-dye number. Banish that knicker guilt and shed your underwear shame with Stripe and Stare. And you can get 20% off your next purchase with the code FEELINGYOURSELF. And one last big thank you to the comfiest knickers in the world, Stripe and Stare, for giving me the most comfortable bum and always helping me feel myself. You've mentioned dating quite a bit. I want to find out about your dating life. How's it going? Like, tell us about some of your experiences and have you had a relationship that has been fulfilling? It's a tricky one to answer because the relationships I've had with men that have been the most fulfilling were not with men that I was dating. They're men that I was friends with where I've experienced like feeling loved unconditionally by these men. I've experienced feeling safe. I haven't experienced the romance necessarily because they were friends, but like I've gotten things from that experience that I haven't necessarily had in dating. And with my dating life, it's often very short lived because I don't hang around long enough. If something is annoying me about a guy, I don't hang around long enough for it to become a problem. I just leave because I'm too young to deal with something that I don't like. And most of the things I don't like in guys are things like them playing games. So a lot of men, they are attracted to women who they can't 
actually handle. So they'll bite off more than they can chew. And instead of to up their game and really think about, okay, I'm talking to a woman who is incredibly intellectual, very sexually empowered and in- and really gorgeous. I need to be something that will excite her to talk to me. Instead of doing that, they decide to start doing the thing where they call you every day and you're FaceTiming and you're texting. And then one day they start pulling away and then you don't hear from them anymore. And they're doing that because they want you to express concern. They want you to notice that they've disappeared. They want you to do the whole like, oh, where has he gone? This mysterious man that had just brought all this wonder to my life. And now I don't hear from him. Let me ask him what he's doing. Let me let him know I miss hearing from him. And for me, that doesn't work because I think what guys are doing when they do that is they are trying to force a feeling of fondness on their part. What they want is for you to start chasing them rather than them actually communicating like adult men. For example, if they do need to disappear for a bit, the same way they were calling you every day, same way they were texting you every day, they could also just message you and be like, hey, I'm going to disappear for two days because I've got X, Y, Z going on, but hopefully we can pick up where we left off. Like a gentleman would do, but most of these guys, they they know that you're too good for them. They just don't know how to maneuver. So they just revert to mind games. And for me, that's most men I come across. So I don't hang around long enough for that. Oftentimes, you know, I will have experiences with men where, even the ones that are intentionally submissive towards women, there will always be something bratty or something annoying that they do that puts me off. And once I feel put off, once I get the ick, it's hard to come back from that because my mind goes to a place where I now think, okay, well, you're set in your ways, like you're past 30 or you're past 40, you're not going to change. And also if you've been single for this long, I can now see why you've been single for this long. Because in my case, I've been single for this long because I'm choosing to be single and I have options. I just feel like the options I have tend to present themselves as exciting at first. And then once these men feel like they're getting to know you, they get a bit carried away and start feeling like it's time to hit the button that makes them um, start peeling away at your self-esteem a bit. I see it happen to so many great women. doesn't matter if you are a millionaire, an influencer, a woman who's just living a normal day-to-day life doesn't matter as long as a man views you as somewhat unattainable in his eyes as long as a man views you as deep down too good for him as long as a man just views you as gorgeous and attractive and something that makes him feel turned on he's going to want to make you feel smaller unless he's comfortable in his masculinity and most men don't have that level of comfort in their masculinity which is why I feel like I prefer to have friendships with men because I feel much safer And I feel, ironically, I get more out of a friendship with a guy than I do out of a relationship. Well, I think think connection is so important, isn't it? And it's good that you do have that kind of, that male influence that does give you some things that you haven't necessarily got from the opposite sex before and give you that safety, whether that is romantic or not, it doesn't really matter, but it's good because I often feel like, now I'm divorced, I often feel like like there's no men around me anymore. There's no men, and I feel like I need a safe man, and like that male energy to give me just that different perspective sometimes. So I'm really, I'm really pleased that you've got it. You talked about trauma and feeling unsafe around men, Are you able to like give us some examples of things that you've gone through that has kind of led to where you are today? Now, who makes you you? Yes. I mean, most women have this experience where, you know, being catcalled from being a very early teenager, experiencing rape. And this was a guy who I was close friends with that did that to me. And after that happened, when I was about 21, 22, that was when I started to really understand that men do not represent safety in my eyes. And I slowly started to move towards the journey of becoming dominant. I think what happens to a lot of people when they experience sexual trauma is you kind of go one of two ways. You either become really docile, very much smaller and introverted. And when you encounter men who are attracted to you, you feel very validated by their attraction. Or you go down another 
route where after dealing with that sexual trauma and, and losing that power you had over your own body, you choose to become something like a dominatrix where it comes down to feeling like I need to feel safe. I need to feel like I can walk away from the situation. I need to feel like this guy's not going to breach my boundaries. In my case, I kind of have been down both routes. There was a time when I went down the route of seeking validation through men's attraction to me. And that didn't work out for me because it felt like I was in this cycle of you date one guy, things don't work out with him. So to get over him, you date another guy and then things don't work out with him. And then to get over him, you date another guy and things don't work out with him. And you can see where the cycle is going, which is a cycle of just like, it wasn't going anywhere. And I had to really sit with myself. And then I reached this place in my life, maybe about two years ago, where I realized that I was asexual, but I sit on the gray side of the asexual spectrum. So being asexual for some people means that they don't have any desire to have any sex. They don't have any uh, romantic desire towards people. For other asexual people, there is sometimes a desire to have sex, but it is based on very specific circumstances and scenarios and a particular kind of attraction you need to have to that person. In my case, being grey asexual and sitting in that sort of murky area of asexual, but still having sexual desire towards other people, it means that I just feel like I can be very physically attracted to a man, but there is a disconnect I experience where I can be really attracted to him, but I can also just not have sex with him because as long as I feel like something isn't connecting for me, or if I feel like there's something about his personality that I just does it just grates at me a bit. I mean, the last time I had sex with a guy was literally what March. That was when I went to Nigeria, and that was really great. I did something I never normally do, probably never done before. One night stand, didn't expect it to go anywhere, and then it became like three weeks of a whole bender of dating, and it was the most fun I've had with a guy in terms of dating. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, and I didn't uh, expect that at all, although it ended because he started telling me that I reminded him of his ex-girlfriend. Oh, God. <sighs> the ex-girlfriend chat. Not, no, thank you. No, thank you. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Once he said that, I left. I was like, I'm not staying around for this. I don't like that. But being asexual has helped me to just... Once I see something I don't like, I just leave. I'm not going to try and convince someone to change. I'm not going to try and think of alternative scenarios to reality. If the reality is that this guy is annoying, this guy does not care enough to get to know me, this guy doesn't excite me outside of fanny tingles, that's not a reality that I want to pursue. And I just, I feel okay with being with myself and exploring other things that make me feel fulfilled, like pole dancing I don't I'm not dating someone at the moment but I can't lie I do love the feeling of having loads of attention from guys who I'm not going to be reciprocating the attention to the the feeling from the attention it, it just adds to how I already feel about myself it doesn't validate or make up for a lack of self-esteem elsewhere if anything it's a reminder of what I already think of myself and so for me to date a guy and actually take him seriously that's something that, I mean, it's, it's, I don't think it's unrealistic, but I do think that I'm not going to accept less than what I deserve just because the idea of a man representing safety and romance and, and being all the other things that most women desire in a guy, most people find it unrealistic. But what I'm not going to do is accept something that I don't like just because the idea of what I do like feels a bit far out of reach for now. Absolutely. And that's what I love about you. You're so boundaried and you know what you want. And that's brilliant. <laughs> I think to me, it sounds like you have been hurt. Like you've really been hurt. And what I want to know is, is how have you, other than sort of exploring your sexuality through movement and through dominatrix and possibly a kind of sex work, how else have you healed? What have you done to come to this liberated, outspoken person who is confident in their abilities and what they deserve? How have you come to that place? 
I think I've come to that place from, of course, I, I go to therapy. I've been in therapy since 2018 and it's really, really been useful. But I think also what has helped me is using my voice to encourage other women to make wiser decisions and, and seeing that in the responses that those women give me, that it has helped them to change the change what they tolerate and change what they experience with men. Also for me, how I've healed is I've had to really accept that as much as I am an individual and I'm unique and I have my own set of characteristics that make me, me, I'm not an exception. So it means that no matter how amazing and highly I think of myself, I can still encounter misogyny. I can still encounter men who are going to be entitled to me. And I can still encounter men who might present themselves as someone who really likes me. And for whatever reason, based on their own personal situation, they might have cold feet or they might decide they don't like me. And I can't take that personally. I can't take it as a rejection of my entire being. And I can't take it as a yet another piece of proof that I am not worthy of love and that I'm not good enough. Because to be honest, most men are indecisive. Most men just want to stick their hands in loads of pies. Most men just want to flex their entitlement. And it's nothing to do with me as an individual. But also I've learned that in the same breath of recognizing that I'm not an exception, that's the same reason why I don't stay for things that don't work for me. Because most women believing that they're they're the exception think I can change him. My pussy is different. No, your pussy is not different. Anybody who has a vagina knows that it's, the, the muscle, the actual organ is pretty much built the same for everyone. What makes your vagina different is the idea you build around yours and how you carry yourself. It's not the actual organ itself. I was going to say, we go into saviour mode, don't we? We love being saviours. We love being saviours because we think we're the exception. We think my pussy can change him. My twinkly, amazing, motherly aura can change him. It's like, no, you're not the exception. He's a damaged individual who's refusing to address his situation. He's probably going to do this to someone else. You are not the first woman he's treated like this and you're not going to be the last. So taking yourself out of the centre of it and recognising that you're probably part of someone else's pattern, that's helped me heal because sometimes as women or as people... We can be a bit narcissistic where we think I'm the exception, I'm different. And when you think you're the exception, it keeps you in situations way longer than you need to because you think that because you're the exception that this time round, you're going to be the one that will break the pattern. But you've met someone in the middle of their lifelong pattern. What makes you think you're going to break their pattern? It's them that's going to break their pattern. And if you've met someone in a period of their life where they're unwilling to address their pattern of destruction, you can't change them. And I don't think you should waste your life trying. Absolutely. You spoke about therapy. Do you think therapy helped you break your patterns of feeling like you needed men and their validation and the pain that you have felt from men and using it to like galvanize you into the work that you do today? Tell us a little bit more about the kind of therapy process and would you recommend that everyone has therapy? I think for me, what therapy has helped me with and is currently helping me with is, ironically, I think when I do like a guy is when I feel like I need to talk about it in therapy because it's a side of myself that's less explored it's not very often that I come across a guy that I connect with in such a way where I actually like him and I want to see where things go. Um, and what I use therapy to confront is, you know, what is it that he makes you feel and and how has he managed to peel back your layers? And I, I, I try to use therapy as well as a way to remind myself that everyone isn't out to get me, especially with men, as much as men are out for themselves, they're not necessarily out to get me. Like, even though they're going to do things like deliberately ghosting or or trying to find ways to get your attention because they don't know how to be someone of your league or someone of your standards, it's not about me. It's about the guy and his insecurities. But it's really hard sometimes to not take it personally because sometimes what happens to me is if I open up to a guy and it doesn't work out, 
I feel disgusting afterwards. I feel like, ew, I've let him, uh, I let him close to me. Ew, I told him I liked him. Gross. I feel like I need to just like sit in a, like what kind of solution can I sit in that will just remove all the germs of vulnerability from me? (laughs) Cause it just feels really icky letting men that weren't even deserving of that closeness have that intimacy with me. So that's something that I'm still working for in therapy, not feeling disgusting after letting a guy close to me. So what I'm getting from that is that that kind of deep intimacy with a guy makes you feel vulnerable, makes you feel exposed and is a very risky sort of feeling for you, which is really hard to overcome because the only way we can be intimate with people properly is by being vulnerable but sometimes it's so hard to let those walls down and you know that that deep connection that actually we all crave is really really exposing and hard to get to yes and this is why I'm not against being vulnerable with men what I am more concerned about is being more intentional with the men you choose to be vulnerable with because vulnerability isn't the issue it's the people that you're being vulnerable with. So that's where I'm on the journey of. It's like, okay, I just, not that I need to be more picky. I think I'm picky enough, but I think I just need to not feel immediately inclined to do the negative self-talk thing once something doesn't work out of a guy. Because normally how my mental process works is I'm, you know, I, I have my boundaries and a guy that I'm attracted to who's attracted to me we're we're working well within those boundaries and things feel like they're going to a nice place and he's hot and things are cute. And I'm like, you know, bringing myself to imagine things going to an intimate place. And then he does something that pisses me off and I have to now block him. And then I feel really gross for even believing. I feel even gross for having replied to his messages. I'm like, Oh, I feel so goofy. Like I feel like you've taken something from me, even though we didn't have sex. it, It feels like he's taken something from me because Bearing in mind, I'm also a public figure. I'm not like a super known, oh my God, household name. But for some men, there is that sort of appeal of like, they get to tell people that they did things with me or they get to brag that I replied to their message. And that kind of annoys me a little bit as well because it feels like something has been taken away from me. And I can't put a finger on what the something is. I guess what it is, is you feel that you have been fooled or duped into thinking that this was a good person and then then you get disappointed when they turn out to not live up to your standards. But also, I guess, you have to be aware that we're all human and we all fuck up and we all make mistakes. So <laughs> how do you get to the place of allowing that person to be human and still exploring a relationship with them. It, it's all in how that person handles and carries their self. Like speaking about the guy, like if the guy is not remorseful or if he's kind of like digging his heels into the ground, I'm not going to be here like making allowances for that behavior, being like, oh, he's digging his heels into the ground because his masculinity is fragile and I have obviously bruised his ego so I'm gonna make allowances for him no if you're digging your heels into the ground you better stay there because I'm not coming to you but if the guy is actually you know maybe comes back with a sense of consciousness and you know can articulately explain to me their thought process behind that nonsense and can show me a change in behavior through us maybe having a friendship and hopefully maybe stepping back into that place of flirting. Like it's a process and I need to see that the guy has the emotional intelligence to come back from it because you're right, people are bound to make mistakes, but there's mistakes and then there's misogyny. Like there's mistakes of, you know, I overslept and I didn't call you back when I said I was going to call you back and that's probably made you think that I don't fancy you or that I'm playing games. No, my dear, I'm not playing games. I fell asleep. And then there's misogyny of, yeah, I'm playing games because I've got five other girls I'm talking to and I want to see which one's going to pine and whine for me the most. So it's kind of having the discernment to, to choose between, is this guy actually using his brain and 
using his empathy and using his intelligence to recognize where he's gone wrong and is willing to make amends, both action-based and and verbally? Or is this a guy who's going to slip into the pattern again once I forgive him and three months' time is going to happen again? Like, that's on the woman's part to discern. And most people don't have that discernment because we're used to making excuses for men and, like, it's so it's a it's a really narrow line. The line is like the width of dental floss between humans make mistakes and men are gonna do what men are gonna do, which is getting away with what they think they can get away with. It's so tricky. <laughs> oh, it is so tricky, so tricky. But you know what? You actually really do explain it really well. So you just don't want to play fucking games anymore. You don't want to play games and you just want them to be emotionally mature conscious and able to communicate with you they are the most important things yes and if and if a guy can't be that and if i'm just not gonna be with him and that's it the end of story move on if it means if it means (laughs) me being single for another five years i will be single for another five years i would rather just be single because the stress depletion of collagen the irritation that comes with tolerating a guy because that's what you think is the best you can get. You're better off being single and just dating off and on because what's the point? So some of the quick fire questions I have are, what has been your most embarrassing sexual encounter or sexual experience? I feel like a lot of people will have the same answer, but you know when you like queef for the first time and it sounds like a fart, but it's your pussy is just like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just releasing... releasing yes! Oh, God. That... So crazy. Especially when you're changing, so... when you're changing position. It's so awkward. Yes. It, it happens all the time. Um, it's important that we talk about this because sex is messy, sexy is funny, and sex is just weird sometimes and we need to be okay with all of those like things it's not but I love that thanks for mentioning that and most embarrassing celebrity crush oh most embarrassing celebrity thing is none of my celebrity crushes are embarrassing I mean I really have a crush on Frank Ocean who's that he's a musician oh I'm gonna have to look him up okay but he's not yeah, embarrassing most embar- this is the thing I feel like I'm not embarrassed by any of the people that I find attractive because then why do I find them attractive if it's embarrassing? Well, maybe say most unlikely celebrity crush. What, socially unacceptable? I'm going to have to really think about that now. I'm going to I'm gonna be on the bus just still thinking about our podcast conversation. Like, who is my most unlikely embarrassing celebrity crush? <laughs> anyway, I'm going to move on. Give me uh, one turn on and one of your turn offs Ooh. to round us Okay, up. turn on is men who just enjoy like being of service to women. Turn off is men who feel offended by the idea of eating you out. Like you don't eat pussy. <gasps> what Ooh. animal raised you? Who the fuck oh, are you? You don't, don't know what you're missing. <laughs> you mean the chef prepared this <laughs> lovely meal and you turned it down? How rude is that? <gasps> Get out of my house and don't come back. <laughs> oh my God, I cannot stand men who don't eat pussy. Please be going respectfully. I love that. (laughs) It has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much, Adira. I really, really appreciated that. Thank you for a wonderful conversation. Thank you for having me, Nat. This conversation has had me feeling myself. Thank you so much for listening to Feeling Yourself. I really hope that by sharing my story and those of my guests, we can further the conversation around shedding shame and start to prioritise our pleasure collectively. I have loved hearing everyone's responses to my book. Oh my God, it was so difficult to write, but ultimately very, very healing. And hearing all of your amazing feedback has just made it even more worthwhile. And Stripe and Stare 
have also kindly offered to give away a box of four of the most incredible knickers to one of our listeners each week. All you need to do is tag me on Instagram at StyleMeSunday with your copy of my book and I'll pick one of you at random each week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a great review. It really helps others to find us and could help someone else on their journey to shed their shame too. I'll see you next time. Until then, I hope you all enjoy feeling yourself.